people were fearful that we were coming away from the church or fracturing away when in fact for us it was just the opposite we believed that we were taking the body and blood of Christ into the the corners of the community that could not reach church young people that often disengage with parish life can't come back either they're tattooed or their hair is funny or someone has said something to them and they're so broken that they can't heal so we wish to take the meal of Christ into their lives wherever they're at Welcome to Coffee with Bishop Suriel a podcast for all things Coptic This is a conversation about authentic Christian faith Coptic history patristic writings the family, arts and music, religious education, youth matters, evangelism, and much more. Bishop Suriel likes his coffee like he likes his conversation, light, sweet, and scorching. We'll be joined by an array of guests who'll share their experiences, their backgrounds, and their insights to bring about an exciting discussion, and we hope you agree. Enjoy the podcast, and please welcome our host, Bishop Suriel. As we're joined by Debbie Armanios, the director of Exodus Youth Works, an innovative way of serving youth in crisis. This is part two in our three-part series. Here's His Grace and our special guest, Your Grace. Irini Pasi, peace be with you. Welcome to all our dear viewers and listeners, and I pray that you are having a successful week that is full of hope and joy. I also welcome back our dear guest, Debbie Armanius, as we continue today to learn more about Exodus Youth Works, an innovative ministry for youth in crisis. You may recall in part one of our conversation last week, We learned so much about Debbie's early life, her baptism into the Coptic Church, her ministry as a Sunday school and youth leader, and the early beginnings of Exodus Youth Works. So today, I hope to expand the conversation a little more. Thank you, Debbie, for making the time to be with us again for part two of our dialogue. So it's great to have you back with us. Thank you, Your Grace. It's a blessing for us here in Sydney. Thank you. So to start this off, why did you call this organization Exodus Youth Works? Mm, That question gets asked of us a lot. The young guys that uh, started Exodus Youth Works with me, there were about five or six of them at the time, um, we weren't sure what to call it at first, but those guys started to talk about a journey and finding people that were in slavery and captured by addiction, mental health, um, life's experiences. And our vision was to find them where they were captive and lead them home to, a, to the promised land. And so when we started looking at the book of Exodus, we realized that it really reflected the service and the ministry we were about to, that we were in. And uh, every couple of years in our Bible study, we look at Exodus again, the, the chapters, studying how everyone really 
is captive to something, captive to, captive to sin. And it is the, the lights of the victorious church and the servants of the struggling church that lead us home. And this is our vision, that we are light in places of dark, dark places. Uh, there's a, um, a captain in the Salvation Army here, Paul Moulds, and he speaks of setting up services at the threshold of the gates of hell itself. And this is, we want to take Christ to the darkest places of, of the streets and of communities and to be comfortable with the dark and not fearful and to set up shop and to walk with people, even if it takes 40 years to the promised land. Um, it is a service of sheer endurance and grit and patience, and you learn that on the, on the way as a servant. So, yes, this is Exodus. Um, mm. The black uniform was, we felt that we were working in the dark, the light of the white cross here, uh, just shining, mm. just shining enough to call people home. That's really wonderful because, yes, I, th I would agree with you that this ministry needs a lot of endurance and patience and prayer because it's mm. not easy. It's really tough ministry, and I'm sure that you meet with a lot of difficult and broken people, and we'll talk a little bit about that more with uh, Corollus Salib in the, in the final episode. Yes. Um, but uh, can, can you tell me a little bit, maybe since we're talking about the logo, how you, how you came up with the logo for Exodus Youth Works? Well, um, it is a diamond. Here we go. And it's a, a matter of when you're talking about mental health and change, you talk about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and it is a change of direction uh, or a, a matanya, if you wish. Mm. And so... Wherever people are at, what we're looking for is that change of direction and to bring them back up to a place of the, the promised land, the mm. place of heaven yes. living on earth with Christ and reconnected with him. That's a very beautiful symbol. Thank you. So... Um why and it's was, deliberately, yeah. there is no cross <laughs> on the logo because we're actually reaching out to people of other faith and people without faith. Okay. So, yeah, it's deliberate. Yes, yeah, so it's really all-encompassing of uh, all of humanity and reaching out to anyone that's there that wants help. It really reminds me a little bit about St. Pacomius, one of the great monastic fathers and the uh, how he went out and reached to the whole community to serve them, those that were Christian or those that were not. So that's a, yes. a really wonderful. So why was the Coptic Church hesitant at first to accept this ministry? And what were some of the obstacles and challenges in setting yeah. up this ministry? And feel free to you know, <laughs> <laughs> tell us exactly how that was for you. How exactly was it? Well, those are days past, thank God. Um, God is very good and is uh, has seen us through to a wonderful place where um, both the late um, Pope Shenouda III and our Father, His Holiness Pope Tawadros II, 
have blessed us and walk with us. Um, but yet, you know, still there are a few that are uncertain. Why? Because I think our orthodox um, background doesn't like the word change is almost deadly. And so any new service outside of the standard Sunday school youth seniors is frowned upon. And again, I stress no longer, thank God. So in the beginning, in the early days, um, we people were fearful that we were coming away from the church or fracturing away, when in fact for us it was just the opposite. We believed that we were taking the body and blood of Christ into the the corners of the community that could not reach church. Young people that often disengage with parish life can't come back. Either they're tattooed or their hair is funny or someone has said something to them and they're so broken that they can't heal. So we wish to take the meal of Christ into their lives wherever they're at. And, of course, people said, well, how could you possibly be meeting in a church? What do you, uh, sorry, in a park. You should bring them to church. Or um, you're not a church. You shouldn't do this. Or it's not headed by a priest. Although our board, uh, our committee board, always has had a priest uh, on it. We have uh, Abuna Antonius Caldas with us. Um but, you know, we have young people, and forgive me for saying this, but this is the, the raw truth. I've come across at least three or four young women of Coptic faith working as prostitutes. So, so how, how do you send a priest into such places? Very difficult. Yeah. 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 And, so, and you were able yeah. to reach out to these people? Yes, actually, we have a lovely story where um, I was told that there was a, a young lady with a wonderful Coptic saint's name working in such, a, a, such an establishment. It took about two years, and um, it's not, not far from where we are. Um, so I made friends with the owner. <laughs> and uh, really? I'd go down with bottled water. So We've got bottled water, so I'd go down and I made friends with the owner and you know, that's that's what I can do. As an Australian, uh, the boundaries are less. And slowly, slowly, God opened the door. And our young lady is back home and safe. And, um, wow. Yeah, she's, uh, she's beautiful. Wow, she's that's, really that's an incredible story. Uh, and uh, all, so how, all tell me more. This God. is fascinating for our audience. You know, how did this develop that you were able to bring this young girl back into the bosom of the church and to the bosom of Christ? It is the grace of God alone. Um, it took two years of finding where she was, confirming, trying to make contact, um, not being a threat to the uh, to the establishment. And then one day, see how God works, um, her car broke down. Someone brought her here while her car was being fixed. And the story began. And really, it, there is no credit to us. Uh, God's grace was upon that day and uh, continues to be. But and, God uh, worked through you. He used you as a utensil to do his work. Yeah, well, if... Yes, it is true, but who are we in such a situation? It's a very humbling situation because 
this was a child that was lost and beaten up regularly and um, really no, you know, life is hard for some young people. We have young people that are struggling with sexual abuse, with physical abuse, yeah. with mental health, with addiction. And when you unpack these lives, it's very easy to say, oh, you're an addict and whatever. But when you unpack their lives, you will always find a hidden secret somewhere. And mm. but the grace of God, it could be any of us. Yes. And, and how fortunate we, you know, when I speak of we, our families are blessed with the knowledge of Christ mm. and strong. But what if your parents do not emanate the Christ figure? What if your father is yes. in fact the opposite? Yeah. Um, you know, we've got um, mental health. We've got a case at the moment where the mother has not left her bedroom for nine years because oh of goodness. mental health. Oh, my goodness. You know, and how can we, who are we to judge this? Mm, mm. This could be us in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. So rather than spending time on judgment and spending time on, oh, my goodness, what, what have mm. you been doing, young mm. lady? Mm. It's exciting and it's wonderful to make contact with her. And uh, she's loved. She's loved so dearly yes. here. This is so refreshing and, uh, you know, it's really brought tears to my eyes to, to hear this story today and uh, how God blessed the Exodus Youth Works, you know, to make you as a mm. vessel to be able to reach out uh, to this beautiful young lady and and to be back again in a safe place thank you so much for sharing that i understand uh, that exodus youth works is supported spiritually by father antonius caldas a great mm -hmm. uh, friend of mine we grew up together in the same church and uh, did the uh, uh, preparation to teach sunday schools together what mm -hmm. has his role been in the organization uh, we have 10 members on the board of committee, committee mem members, and uh, Abuna guides us all spiritually and encourages us. In the early years when things were tough, uh, he's, he said, stand fast, and he prays for us, and he's here with us, amongst us quite often. And when we have young people that perhaps have disengaged with uh, parish life and even Forget confession. Let's talk about talking with a priest. Mm. Um, he is very approachable. Mm. His manner, his the way he serves is so beautiful and yeah. so simple. And uh, people will just sit and talk to him, and that's all it is. Confession starts with a chat, always. Yeah, he's a very humble man, even though that he is highly educated now with a, mm. a PhD in philosophy and a great speaker. Yeah. But at the same time a very humble priest uh, that is very much loved by all of his congregation and I'm sure by all of those that are being served at uh, Exodus Youth Works. We're very spoiled. Anything, <laughs> any question you ask me, I can say we are spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this ministry needs, you know, all the support that it, it can get uh, mm -hmm. And I hope that it spreads in many, many different other parts of the world. It's so much needed and it's a, a difficult ministry that m many, maybe clergymen, don't know how to deal with some of these situations. And you have been able 
by the grace of God to find solutions to many of these uh, broken young people. So thank you for this excellent ministry that you are carrying out there. So where does religion, faith, and spirituality fit in at Exodus Youth Works? I mean, how and when do you begin reintroducing faith into the lives of broken people? Is there a process? Yes, the process begins with us. As I found Christ uh, by asking, what do you have that I don't have and I want some of it, this is how Christ should be introduced. And so without words, without preaching, um, let us let us have you here with us, let us wash your feet, Let come and work with us, bring your brokenness to the table. Um, is where it all starts. Yes, we have um, icons around the place and we have crosses, but it is our actions and that is where it all starts. When, when you look at the early church, they were ministering to the needs of the community. And so let's say you've got a domestic violence situation. If you can work with that family and rescue that family and find and bring them to a place of safety and peace and a, a safe place at least to start discussing things we have introduced Christ his elements and his characters characteristics his way and that's how it all starts here mm. that's uh, you know sometimes not the stereotypical way that uh Maybe no. the church does things, but what you are doing works. And the goal, the ultimate goal at the end is bringing back people to Christ. And that's what you're doing. And you have been so successful at. So God bless you for that. What about for the staff themselves? Is there a spiritual daily, weekly, annual spiritual program for them? We now have a liturgy held within our headquarters here at Rockdale every week, and that is celebrated by uh, Father Sam Fanus. He has the outreach church in Miranda. Um, and so his approach, uh, it, it's beautiful. It fits right in with Exodus, and he is able to sit with those who are in the room um, we had a young man have communion for the first time, I think it was about 11 years, last week. Incredible. And Yeah, and he, I mean, the grace of God, really. Um, so that's there, and everyone in the building uh, may have the opportunity for confession or communion if needs be. Those who are not Coptic uh, are with us in the, um, at the end of the liturgy and for breakfast. And yes. just to see community. Mm. And really, this is a fabi. This is where you see everyone together. Yeah. Um, so we do that. We have our Bible study once a week, which last year, if we took a snapshot, the best snapshot for our Bible study last year, around the table, we had one Jewish person, we had one Muslim, one uh, non-Christian person, and a couple of cops. And... You, you must wonder how do you get a Bible study happening with such a connection, but <laughs> it's, it's not hard. It's not hard. That's amazing. So a Jewish person in the Bible yep. study, a yep. Muslim, yes. uh, some non-Copts and some Copts. 
Yeah. That is amazing. And what was the Bible study about? Well, we were looking at the book of Exodus. So we've just done the this last year, concentrating again on that. And let's be honest, everybody's captive of something. That's yeah. not hard. Yeah. And then everyone wants a place of safety. That's yes. not hard. Yes. And then everyone needs lights to guide them. That's not hard. And so we speak from our experience. This is how we come to our place of safety. Come with us. Come on the journey. And they... Really, it's such a safe space. It's such a beautiful place, hmm. the Bible study. Yeah. And so, how, uh, in general, how many would be um, uh, not from an Egyptian or Coptic background that would uh, uh, utilize the services of uh, EYW? Okay, so we're looking at about... So we're funded by donations. 96% are by donations from the Coptic community and a little bit, a uh, few grants, government grants, and some corporate sponsorship. So the majority of the people we serve, 90%, 85% would be from a Coptic or Christian background. Right. And then we have um, those who are referred to us via the mental health units via the um, government or other organizations in the community. What Exodus is known for is never saying no. Mm. So most organizations will have a cutoff age or a, a prerequisite by which you can engage in an organization. We have none. So Exodus Youth Works initially started with youth, but now our youngest is nine months old and our eldest is 90. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yeah, so it's, 90. it's 90. We have a seniors program, which is running actually at this time at uh, Amber Abram Church in Peakhurst. So we provide a social worker. Um, today we're having a registered nurse teach them about um, the, the COVID and about how to stay safe. Yes. We take them on outings. We have lunches here. And so... As we were in the beginning, when we were serving youth, we found that they were connected to families and we had to extend our service to those families. So next year, God willing, in 2021, we become Exodus Community Services because it's right. we've now breached yes. well beyond yes. the youth, youth. Uh, yeah. group. Yeah. Well, it's very clear that, you know, your work is uh, continuing to expand and to grow and to develop and to be able to serve people, more, more and more people, uh, uh, even outside of the Coptic community and maybe many other organizations that are not doing that. But why a nine-month-old uh, child that you are looking after? How is that happening? Mm. So there are uh, refugees uh, both Coptic and non-Coptic uh, here in Australia. So they don't get any government funding. They won't get Medicare. They won't get a payment from Centrelink. They will be completely at the mercy of non-for-profits in the Australian community. So currently we have uh, a single mum who's from Chile, and she had a new baby. He was uh, five months old when we were introduced to them via another organisation. So she needed somewhere to stay. She needed food and medical treatment because the baby had um, his heart was on the wrong side of his body. So he needed 
uh, a oper- couple of operations. Mm. So that young lady and her baby have lived with us now for oh, well over oh, uh, nearly on six months now. She's now employed. Um, the baby goes to, has had the operation. Incredible. He goes to a Coptic um, preschool, and the story is to a safe place now. Uh, it's a beautiful place. So you're able to rent uh, an apartment for her? Yes, yes. We've had a, a wonderful, co- a lot of Coptic community members will ring and say, we've got a granny flat or we've got a flat, would you like to rent it? Mm. And of course, uh, you know, through donations and yes. um, we come to a, an agreement and we take that rent on and now the mum is working, she pays a little bit and we pay the rest. And you that's how able, it works. You, you were We've able got prices to find, accommodation. You were able to find work for her? Absolutely. God is good. God is good. <laughs> that's yeah. wonderful. Amazing, you yeah. know, that you can really reach out to people like that and, you know, change their lives around, really. You know, that's what you're really doing. And to care for that nine-month-old child and, you know, to pay for all of their expenses for those necessary operations... Um, I'm speechless, really. It's uh, really, really great to hear all this incredible work. And I hope that the audience is touched by all of this and that they, you know, can donate generously uh, to this wonderful cause of Exodus Youth Works from around the world. In 2003, Pope Shenouda III blessed and approved this ministry. How did this take place? Was it an official letter or you met His Holiness in Egypt uh, and described what you were trying to establish? Well, look how God works. Um, His Holiness knew uh, myself and Magdi because he had had treatment with Magdi whilst in Sydney many times. So one of our board members travelled to Egypt and showed His Holiness the documents and the mission um, statement and some evidence of what we were doing. And he signed the document and sent um, his signature and his blessings back with that board member, someone from St. Mary's Church. Uh, And many times uh, meeting with His Holiness um, and just explaining the service. It was new. And, you know, we, as you said before, Your Grace, people weren't sure, but we knew it was biblical. And to have His Holiness's blessings really strengthened us to move forward. So that's how that happened. And when His Holiness Pope Tawadros, before he was ordained, he came as a bishop and he met with us and looked at our... Um, constitution and our um, organization and blessed it and uh, gave a donation and said keep going so he also signed the documents with uh, his reign of being our father that's really great to have two great patriarchs in his honest pope shenouda the third and our current patriarch his honest pope tuadros the second to support this ministry, I'm sure, gives a great push forward and gives you a a great inspiration to continue to do what you're doing, to get it from the the head of the church like that. 
and many of uh, our fathers, the bishops, have be have been with us on this journey. As yourself, you know us very well, and so um, we are visited and we are invited and we serve alongside many dioceses now throughout the world. Yes, I know, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. The work that you're doing with the Exodus Youth Works in South Africa and the, in the UK mm. uh, in particular, mm. and also in Egypt with the Bishop Martyrus as well. Oh, we we hope for that. What a wonderful place. Yeah. What a wonderful man. <laughs> so how is it different from any other ministry in the Coptic Church? The methods that are used at mm-hmm. Exodus Youth Works are not stereotypical of a church service. And so how was that looked upon? Uh, with skepticism, I must say. Um, I think the biggest difference is that we're not operating out of a church. So the we are set up as a non-for-profit organization, completely independent of our diocese, for two reasons. One, of course, we want to keep our uh, church and our community and our diocese safe. So God forbid if anything was to negatively um, happen at Exodus, we don't want to implement our own diocese. We want to be an organization that stands alone and takes full responsibility. And at the same make, time, that, we, that makes a lot, a lot of sense, obviously. Uh, yes, we feel. And so that's the first reason. And the second reason is that having it set up like that and not in a church, we are able to um, apply for grants that may um, not be available if we were a church community. So this is the big difference. Um, We are not, in the beginning, people thought we were trying to set up a church. (laughs) On the contrary, (laughs) it's impossible. So, uh, and also to have, it's not headed by a priest. And that's for the same reason. We want to keep our clergy uh, liturgically serving and in the community, but not responsible if, if something does go, you know, I mean, we have suicide. We have, you know, families that are in crisis. And, you know, sometimes the the backlash of, for instance, trying to explain myself, if you've got a domestic violence situation, which we had here a couple of years back, there were several fathers, so several of the priests rang and said, look, we can't even, we can't get into this house they won't, the, you know, the husband won't let us in. Is there any chance you can check it out? Wow. Um, and, of course, it was, it was difficult. And that husband, we don't want the church being attacked publicly or, um, it, I mean, the fathers do enough for us. So why can't social workers back working parallel, working side by side, enter a home with the police sort the situation out, um, pull the, fa- the mom and the kids out safely, that, that woman oh. now is, you know, and there's now reconciliation because there was a bit of distance yeah. between the parents. Right. So, you know, it has to be done by an organization, um, not priests. It's, it's just not yeah. fair. 
because you know uh, uh, our clergy as you said you know they do incredible work work long hours in uh, in the spiritual ministry but sometimes there are situations like what you just mentioned mm -hmm. where the social workers you know are the experts in that field know how to deal with these situations and know when to bring the priest back uh, uh, to support at the right time but when it's uh, you know, a hostile situation like this, then obviously the work of Exodus uh, Youth Works is is critical here. Could you maybe just say a few words about how the ministry that you do there is different from what's in the church? You know, it, it's not a you know a, a liturgy or a, you know mm. a, your typical service in the church. What is different if someone walked into your facilities, for example? Mm. What would they see there? And um, we'll talk more about, you know, the different programs and so on. But how is it different and why is that important for the people that access the service? The big difference would be that there are paid staff. We have servants and volunteers, most definitely, but we are currently nine staff consisting of psychologists, counsellors, social workers, uh, professionals in the field of community welfare. So uh, in part three, you will meet Kiro Salib, who is our welfare manager here. He's been, uh, I think it's about 12, 15 years with the Australian Family Services as a senior case, as a manager of uh, almost, uh, I think, all of New South Wales. And he's Coptic. And look at how God provides um, our own people, understanding culturally sensitive with the Middle Eastern community, have these credentials. Why not use them? Why are they employed by other organizations? Why shouldn't they be with us? Yes. Yeah. This is the big difference. Mm. So when you walk into Exodus YouthWorks, you will be greeted by a social worker. Uh, we do have youth workers as well, but a social worker most definitely and there will be an intake form, there will be an assessment, and the process will begin in a professional manner. We really strive to provide a class, an A-class service to anyone, whether your name is um, Magdi or whether it is Muhammad, you will be treated in the same manner, in the same way, and we will display the essence of Christ to you regardless. And this is the witness of Christ in, in this place. Yeah. And those who are not Coptic on staff, you know, they're known more than us to say, like it happened with the, the, senior, the single mum, we needed a washing machine. This happens on a daily basis. I'll get a call. Do you need a washing machine, Deb? <laughs> yes, actually, I do. And God spoils us ridiculously ridiculously well this so, is really the crux yeah. of the christian message isn't it to to it go is. out and to preach the gospel to every creature and you're yeah. doing this in such a practical way yes and you know it how can you know people say oh you want to see the hand of god or you want to see the face of god in your life i would welcome them into into service it's when things are impossible and you literally have to walk on water today, God is there, Christ is there, and you are lifted up onto an amazing level 
when he provides why why would he bother with such things as washing machines you know and amazing things because I he cares don't have he cares time. for all of our needs that's why <laughs> totally like the other day we were 188 dollars short 188 dollars to to pay something and um one of the non-cops coptic staff came in and said oh someone just stopped at the door and they just gave this money it's in an envelope and i said count it and it was 188 dollars unbelievable and he went oh it's your god again <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable yeah. how god Lovely. works in so mysterious ways Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, it wouldn't so, miss it yeah. for the world. Go ahead. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Wow. It's just so inspirational, Debbie. I'm learning so much from you uh, in in these episodes. So, do you actually go out looking for youth and people who are in crisis and reach out to them, or people are referred to you by their families and friends? Both. So we will hear, again, God works. Uh, we hear of cases and then we start making, you know, we'll make some background checks. We'll talk to people, see where they are at, who do they know. And God finds a way. Um, we do our best to reach anyone that has been um, suggested to us. But these days uh, we are very kept busy by referrals. Um, our fathers, the priests, are very much working with us. And so uh, on any given day, you might find a, f uh, a family uh, reconciliation meeting happening with the young person, with a priest, with uh, a counsellor, a psychologist, all working holistically for the aim of getting this family back together or this young mm. person mm. back into the embrace of Christ's goodness and forgiveness and healing. Um, yeah, that, so it works both ways. Mm. Works both ways. So are these cases you are dealing with only uh, Sydney-based or New South Wales or is it across Australia? <laughs> it's across Australia. Wow. In fact, just before uh, lockdown, we were in New Zealand. Really? Hmm. For four days. Oh. Yes. So if we can't reach someone, if they're interstate, we will try and organize for them to be flown up here if needs be, mm. if we can't mm. work mm. with them at that distance. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yes. you know, I really hope <laughs> that this can spread uh, in many, many other cities across Australia and, in fact, across the world. So, Debbie, what goes on day-to-day -day at the center and what facilities do you have there? All right. Well, uh, we open at 8 o'clock in the morning and pre-COVID, uh, pre we would be open pretty much every night till about 10 or 11, sometimes 12 o'clock. Um, that's changed during COVID, of course, because we cannot gather in groups. We have programs and services. So... Programs are the vehicle by which we engage with people. So it's a seniors program. It might be the iWorks program. iWorks is a program that uh, it's a, a pre-employment program. Young people often have dropped out of school. They're unemployed. They need to be able to learn how to show up on time, not to use your mobile phone, not to um, yell at the boss. And so we have young people in the building doing uh, tasks 
and sometimes actually outsourced. So during the school holidays, our local Coptic college was renovating. So our young people on iWorks program were sent up to the college to paint the walls and to clean the buildings, therefore engaging them in parish life again, seeing what the parish is up to. And they are paid a minimum wage for that program. So people fund that program. Uh, currently, we have about eight to ten uh, young people on that program. We have um, an art therapy class running on a Thursday night, uh, which always has a counsellor or a social worker amongst the people. And when mm. you look at how our programs run, you can't tell who's who, really. Uh -huh. um, yeah, because casual chatting is a way of breaking the ice. If you go to a counsellor, you're sitting in a room by yourself. Yep. It's very awkward. It doesn't work with with some people. Of course. Um, the, and the art therapy class, we make jewellery. So we take a rough material and within two weeks you go home with a piece of beautiful jewellery which reflects our life. A mm. little bit of mm. polishing, a little bit of shaving ah, off. Yes, yes, yes. Indeed. The diamonds waiting. Yes, of course, yeah. of course. So how has the life, work and struggles of St. Archdeacon Habib Gerges inspired you when you were feeling down or broken or things were not going in the right direction or you were met with resistance in your ministry? At this point, I have to thank you for your book, which is on my <laughs> desk and not far from me many days. Um, having you. it with all the history and the research you did brought forth the stories I had heard of That's Saint not why Hedigo. I mentioned this question, by the way. <laughs> but thank yes. you. Go on. <laughs> well, if I move my camera, you will find that he is uh, just above me. And, you know, I mean, what can I say? You know more your grace of the life of Habib Gerges, but in the beginning, uh, Sunday school had its challenges, believe it or not. hundred years later, we all just take Sunday school for granted. And St. Habib Gerges displayed amazing grit and amazing perseverance, knowing that what he was trying to achieve was for the glory of God and for his people, his children. And so, I mean, my book is highlighted all over the place where he talks of, you know, imagine, I mean, I've had both, both popes okay with Exodus. Imagine if the Pope wasn't okay yeah, <laughs> with yeah. Exodus. So um, not so harsh as dear Saint Habib, but certainly within a community that doesn't like change, his spirit of endurance has, well before your book, been with me for many, many, many years, many years. So I'm very grateful that you did all that research. <laughs> Thank you for that, and uh, yeah. he's certainly a very inspirational figure, both mm. in my life and I think for the church, and many people still learning much more about him, the resilience that he showed in his ministry and not giving up when things got very tough, and, um, and I'm sure that that has been an inspiration for you as well in your ministry as the director of Exodus Youth Works. Most definitely. So... I am sure that our dear viewers and listeners would agree that Debbie has certainly enriched us about this innovative ministry 
and taught us much about resilience. Resilience when you are met with obstacles or resistance even. Certainly Saint Habib Gerges can teach us so much about resilience and how to persevere in the midst of the storm and not give up. Debbie also has had her fair share of such obstacles, but by the grace of God, she was able to overcome and pushed forward. So I have a question for you at the end of this part two. When you have met with difficult situations or obstacles at work or in your ministry, or perhaps at home with a brother or sister or even as a parent with a certain family crisis, how have you dealt with it? Did you place Christ at the center of the problem? Or did you deal with it alone or in a worldly way? Think about that this week. And the prayer. Ask the Lord Christ in your prayers this week to lift you up when you feel weak or unable to overcome a person who resists you. Or when you want to try a new innovative idea in your ministry and you are met with resistance, perhaps from your priest or older colleague in the ministry. Remember that the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Yes, indeed, remember these two important words, hold and peace. Stand strong and steadfast. That is what hold means here. And always be at peace. Do not let any situation or person remove the peace of God from your heart. Stay safe and well, and until next week, be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Be sure to tune in next week for part three in this three-part series. His Grace will be joined again by Debbie Armanios, the director of Exodus Youth Works and also by Kiro Salib, the welfare manager of Exodus Youth Works. Don't miss out on learning more about this incredible and important work that needs to be emulated in so many parts of the world. To join the conversation, please visit our website, coffeewithbishopsuriel.org. And don't forget, after you listen, you can really help out by rating the show. Thank you for listening to Coffee with Bishop Suriel a podcast for all things Coptic. To join the conversation, please visit our website, coffeewithbishopsoriel.org. And always remember, the best way to start any morning is with God and a cup of coffee.